Hey, if you'd like to support this podcast, mosey on over to anchor.fm slash drivesafetextwinhome, and guess what? You could throw $100. You could throw a nice living wage. Just a nice living wage. That Let's keep it there. But if you'd like to support, go over there and throw something at me. That would be awesome. Thank you. Drive Safe Text Win Home with your human host, Josh Matthews. Okay, so I am doing a podcast, and I am here with... Hi, uh, my name's Tommy. Uh, I run No Time Records out of my bedroom. Uh, I front the hardcore punk band Corrupt Vision. Uh, I book shows in Orange County, and uh, I just make a lot of tapes. That's really all all I really do. That's my contribution. <laughs> Heck yeah, man! Like, which is so cool, by the way. Like, uh, like that's one thing I really, I really wanted to uh, to to really ask about is like what. Like, what made you want to start making tapes or like what? Yeah. Like what what brought you to do that? We um, I was, uh, I guess, roadying or, or whatever term that is for uh, when you're like a tiny ass DIY band. I, I was the friend with the band on tour, uh, but I was okay. with my uh, my because uh, like you always have like touring bands that always have like a friend with them, but they're not necessarily like helping them set up or anything. They're just kind of there. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah that was we didn't have any merch to sell so i wasn't like a merch boy i was kind of just on the trip with them but uh i was uh with uh my my uh my label mates uh old band called high tension we were on tour in the uh, uh in the desert and we were at a uh one of the we had some off time we went to uh like a goodwill i think it was it was a goodwill or like a secondhand store or something like that and uh okay we like we like going to those on like on tour because it's always like it's a cool way to see kind of like what that like city's culture is about because it's like what oh, people yeah. from around there are getting rid of. That's um, cool. It's always good to find like you can find like good local music that way and and especially if like same with like record stores is like when someone like sells like their their collection if you find like one or two pieces that you like you'll probably find a lot of stuff in that store you'll like. Heck yeah! When people, when people like drop off their collection, so we we like going to like secondhand stores and on tour and all that. But we uh we found a tape deck and my my label mate, and he was the drummer for Attention Fern. He uh handed me the tape deck and he's like, "Yo, we can make tapes with this." And I was like, "Fuck, that'd be tight." And then ever since then, <laughs> he put into my head. We didn't buy it there, but he put it into my head of like, "Yo, we can make cassette tapes like really easily." Uh, and then twenty, wait, I had run. We had we had run no time for about two years, 2014 okay. to 2015. We had done some CD stuff, but uh, nothing else. We didn't do any. We didn't press any vinyl. We didn't do any cassettes. Um, and I think I was like, I was like, I'm finally gonna do it. You know, we had like I think like a dozen or so releases, and I was like, I'm I'm gonna invest in the tape stuff. So I uh, went on eBay. I found a, a a really awful tape duplicator for like thirty <laughs> bucks. Um, I don't know what I was doing. Uh, we i had a i had a a tape deck that like i think we found at like a garage sale i think it was even like the house's tape deck at one point like you know back in the 90s oh and it yeah. was like my it was like my dad's and um i like understood like the basics of like mastering a cassette tape of like yeah you just oh, okay. plug it in you just plug it into a, a laptop and you just play the music through it and then you know and then you just put it in the duplicator and that's the uh master tape and then it duplicates but uh the duplicator we had was so awful at like copying over to the other <laughs> cassettes like they all sounded like super like washed out and like they would cut out like constantly and like i don't understand <laughs> i didn't understand you had to like clean them 
and like demagnetize them because if you run all this magnetic tape over these little like what's known as a tape head, uh, it'll okay. it'll it'll fuck them up because it's just constantly getting berated with metal. Um, so I didn't oh, know you had to okay. like clean. I didn't know you had to clean those and all that. So they have my first my first like batch of tapes were so unlistenable. Um, and then I had a buddy of mine who uh, uh, runs a label out here called uh, Pacific Nature Records at the time. He uh, listened to one of my tapes. He's like, dude, I got to like show you how to do all this. And like ever since then, he's like, yeah, you got to clean them. Maybe only use this well on the duplicator. It sounds good. And uh, oh, your your deck is only mastering tapes in mono. It's not mastering them in stereo. And I was like, fuck. So I had to like dig around and like I ended up finding a a, a, a better tape deck at, a, at like a local record store. And I've been using that ever since. And then slowly oh, wow. been trying to upgrade and buy better duplicators and I have, a, I have a very good one now so that's been kind of my en- endeavor with it is just not knowing how to do anything <laughs> damn dude that's really cool though like just knowing that you were on tour and like doing what you normally do is going in secondhand stores and just finding something that like you actually like doing now and it's that's badass yeah. man do you even like pr- print the j cards at home too so uh a uh, Buddy of mine, I print off the like the, the stickers that I put on the cassettes at home. I, I actually ended up buying a a laser printer during quarantine because uh, I used to do all my printing at my my college. Oh, okay. but then when we went when we went all online, I I couldn't you know I can't use those printers anymore. So uh, I think like yeah. the middle of March, I was like, "Fuck it, I'm just gonna buy a laser printer" because I was like, "I can't go to a print shop right now. We're on lockdown, and even if I do, yeah. it's gonna be like a, a nightmare to get out." So I was like, "Yeah, I just bought a laser printer, yes. and I've been doing that since then." But uh, uh buddy of mine the same guy who runs uh pacific nature records his name's alex he cuts all my j cards for me he he gets them printed locally and then he, he uh cuts them for me um mainly because oh, cool. i that's oh, awesome i don't have a good uh he, he's very good at it he was cheaper than originally i was paying uh this company called national audio company to print j cards for oh, me Oh yeah yeah but uh they it was just like super expensive and uh alex was able to do them for like half the price and like you know get them to me like wow in a week so i i just ended up, and it, it helps him like with his labels and his music stuff so it's kind of um originally i was duplicating cassettes for him and he was making j cards for me and that was kind of our deal but he's he's moved on to actually getting tapes like professionally duplicated so kind of just still paying for my j cards oh okay that's awesome though man that's really cool so it's not it's not like fully diy because i'm not cutting the j cards but uh it's just something that like I, I wasn't very good at like lining up that kind of stuff and like i was like i'd rather want these to like look nice and if i can help my friend in the same time then i'll just do that so that's other than that everything else i do in-house oh that's awesome dude like and then like to know like to know that you do that is badass man i feel like that that's such a cool thing to do and like also like cassettes are like like basically like pretty big right now and like yeah it's, it's what everyone usually wants it's it's usually it goes vinyl cassette and then whatever else like and that's what's super cool about it is that and then like you i don't know it's just been awesome man like i think that's it's, such a cool a cool thing yeah and it's it's um i'm a little worried because I'm, I'm happy to have the duplicator that i have now and and uh knock on wood but i i really hope it doesn't fail out on me anytime soon i do have a backup duplicator but it was funny, like watching over the last like four years, like how hard it is to actually like find the equipment now, at least like oh, on wow. the internet, because so many people are getting into uh, like at home tape duplicating and like little local tape labels, which is, is really cool to see. And and hopefully, if it gets enough uh, recognition, that uh, um, you know, Sony and, and other tape manufacturers will actually start uh, 
manufacturing this equipment again. Yeah, and and exactly because we're, we're all stuck using stuff from like the eighties and nineties. Like there's oh, no wow. you know there's there's no new tape duplicators coming out. There's no new tape decks coming out. It's kind of you're all stuck using uh uh whatever you can find that's still working. So uh, jeez, like I think my my duplicators from the nineties and I think my tape deck is from the the mid nineties, which Usually with like deck buying, you want to look for something like late 80s, early 90s, because that was when uh, cassettes were in their prime. Oh, they weren't they weren't like the cheap option yet. So, oh, oh you could okay. you could still get like high quality enough uh, equipment from that time. That was like the best they were being made. Oh, damn. That's all. That's really cool, dude. That's cool. And like, how did you figure that out? Were you just sur- surfing some forums and stuff? There's a there was this YouTuber I watched named uh, Techmon who does a lot of um, different like kind of format reviews and uh, oh, especially okay. just like weird like weird he he does a lot of tape stuff but he also does just a lot of weird like uh, weird vinyl formats uh, a lot of eight tracks stuff but he you know he he has now recording okay uh, the prison cassette tape player things c- continue uh, yeah so. Uh, like looking through uh, Urban Outfitters, I think they just bought out all these uh, old, new old stock of uh, uh, whatever company that was manufacturing these uh, prison cassette players. Um, so that's why everything's clear. Uh, everything in prison has to be clear. Like oh, prisoners yeah. would get like clear TVs, clear radios, clear everything. Um, same with the cassettes. There, there's a specific type of cassette called a. Uh, it's, it's called a prison tape, and it's a uh, it's a clear clear cassette that's uh, what's known as sonically welded. So uh, sometimes cassettes will have screws in them, which you can like yeah. take apart and, and fix the reels. A sonically welded tape is it's it's a weird uh, um, kind of a chemical reaction where it bonds the plastics together. Oh, um, weird! So it it can't stuff anything into the cassette, and it also has to be clear for that same reason. Yeah. Um, and the reason why was the the uh, cassettes were so popular, and I th- I think a lot of it was uh, it's just to be uh you know pieces of shit to prisoners. But uh, um, CDs were believed to be, uh, they could be broken in half and used as a weapon. Oh, um, okay. Yeah, even though, like, uh, like canned food was allowed in prison. Like, you could use, like, canned lids and shit. So I think it was more of a, uh, just uh, to be shitty and, and inconvenient to the people incarcerated. So I think that's kind of the, what, what led to cassette tapes being the, uh, the form of music that they were forced to listen to for long after the 90s. Oh, weird. That's crazy. Yeah, and there's like companies that would uh, um, specialize in like licensing albums out to be manufactured on prison cassette tapes and then distributed in in prisons. So they would, oh, you know, wow. they would work with like whatever UMG or Universal or uh, Columbia or whatever, and and get albums manufactured on a clear cassette so that they can be purchased and sold in prison. So, whoa, that's crazy. And the other the other industry that was keeping cassettes alive, for a lot of people probably end up getting their duplicators from is uh, churches. Oh, what? They would, yeah, because they would record their sermons and then um, duplicate them on cassettes, and then you know hand those out to the to the, the clergy or whatever. Wow, I would have so, never thought about that. That's crazy. So that's like there's a there's a company called Kingdom, and they uh, they sell like church supplies, and a lot of them are always like cassette, like either actual cassettes boxes for them or uh, the duplicators and they'll have like a big kingdom stamp on it and it's like yeah that's uh used for churches <laughs> now it's now it's being used by uh like you know little punk bands right <laughs> yeah so i always, always tell always tell people if they're looking for a cassette deck to always go to uh go to a college 
uh, uh, garage sale or go to like a church garage sale. They'll, you could probably <laughs> find one there. Because you know, then they just, you know, now they have everything is digital or, or, you know, they can make CDs quick enough. So, yeah. Oh, that, that totally makes sense. Yeah, dude. That's, yeah. That, that's awesome. So that's my uh, that's my dude, cassette. And that's that... my my cassette history for you. <laughs> Heck yeah, that's awesome, dude. And like, like one one uh, one other thing, uh, another one that I wanted to know is like, how did you end up starting No Time? Like, is it just because of like your band, or like you were just like, oh, I just want to start putting out bands? So me and uh, Fern, uh, okay, we started No Time back in. Though we've had the name and a logo kind of floating around since like 2012, 2013. Um, okay. We, I was still in high school and then he had graduated and he was playing in uh, his punk band called High Tension. And then oh, like, okay. we, oh, yeah. we'd make like demos and we'd make like demo CDRs and like put the little, like the old No Time logo on it. But, you know, we weren't like a quote unquote incorporate, incorporated or whatever. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but, uh, him and I also started a band called the Insomniac Collective. And then, you know, when we said what label we were under, we would say, you know, no time. Um, and then I was organizing a, a compilation benefit album in like the the spring of like 2014. Oh, OK. Uh, which is hilarious because I was like in still in high school and I was doing it and I had no idea what the fuck I was doing. <laughs> um, I was like just messaging bands like out of the blue to be on like it was like this benefit comp that I was doing. And uh, I just wanted to like make a compilation album because i like that's the kind of stuff that i like like that's how i learned about a lot of bands oh cool that's awesome i was just doing like uh like through compilations and and and, uh uh, labeled samplers and whatnot so i i put together this comp and then high tension and insomniac like they both recorded songs for it and then like two months later fern was like oh fuck it let's just do a split. We'll just take both of those songs. We'll put it up. We'll finally start no time. And I was like, all right, perfect. So that's <laughs> the first no time releases is a, a song from both of our bands as a, as a split. Um, I slapped together art that I had like lying around for it. And uh, we, uh, we created the band camp and released it in uh, July. The comp released in June. And then we released that in July. Uh, and then we had, again, we had no idea what we were doing. I think the vocals for the song I did with Insomniac Collective, I recorded on like a rock band microphone. Oh, damn. Those things are loud. Yeah. I, uh, no, it was, um, do you know what, uh, the PlayStation iToy was? Oh, dude, those things are like, I could pick up like something from space. Yeah. Those I recorded on a PlayStation, like camera (laughs) microphone. (laughs) No way. Yeah, it was it was uh, it was fucking bad. I think I just recorded it like straight into Audacity, and then Fern like just like turned it the fuck down and like threw it over. And we I think we recorded the drums in like my garage. It was like a whole. It was a fucking mess. Um, we still have that split up to this day. Uh, it's our first cataloged release. Uh, a couple of years ago, I made lathe cuts of it, and then I gave it to like like close friends of the label. No way. Yeah, but we've never. Uh, I don't think we've ever done anything else with it um the <laughs> recordings are fucking bad but it, it was you know it was part of it was the first thing we ever did um so the reason why I, I, we started a label is uh no one would put insomniac collective or high tension on like any other comps or like anything like that so we just said fuck oh, okay. it let's just do our own thing <laughs> that's awesome um, and we we had that we had the name and we're like all right let's just let's just start and uh originally was just uh high tension and insomniac collective high tension actually went off and, and recorded a nice ep at uh the earth capital 
in uh i think it's in burbank or something like that it's it's i think it's run by one of the dudes in uh touche more i could be completely oh, wow. i could be completely wrong uh or they recorded Touche. they were they had like some good like hardcore recognition and they uh recorded the album there oh wow that's awesome yeah and then uh from there on i just started kind of working with like bands that i was like talking to or like friends with and we were like again releasing stuff just like digitally for the longest time yeah and then uh about a year into it we started uh manufacturing like cds and uh oh, we cool. did uh i put together like a uh first like notable releases we did a, a folk punk tribute album to uh choking victim <laughs> yeah and uh, I made CDs of it and sold out. And I was like, oh, shit, this may actually be a thing. And then ever since then, I was working with a lot of like Skycore and like Crackwork Steady bands and then and folk punk here and there. And then slowly like kind of broadening out into like other genres and done like pop punk, hardcore, grindcore, power violence, uh, then a few metal things here and there. So it's just been like just put up bands I like, you know. Heck yeah, dude. That's awesome. So and this has been. And then we started like booking shows around 2015 under no time. And then kind of both of those just kept kind of growing from there, both the label and the booking dude. And like, I, I, I that that's awesome. And I, what I wanted to also was like, what made you choose no time? Like the name. So, uh, so Fern and I have two different stories about it. Uh, <laughs> okay. Fern technically came up with it. It was for, a uh, uh, it was based off the, the song no time by uh, assorted jelly beans. <laughs> that's a great and, uh, name i've never heard uh, of them <laughs> and i uh i t- oh, they're from uh they're from riverside they're from kind of near you guys oh weird that's awesome i'm gonna have to look yeah. them up and then uh, i say it's from the f minus song oh okay see i i was gonna say sorry i i uh i i've heard of f minus i've never listened to them either so yeah f minus was a was a really great hardcore punk band from orange county from like the late 90s early 2000s uh members of that band ended up playing in leftover crack but uh, I, I've just always really like it's always been cool to be like, fuck, that band is from like where I'm from. Like, it's really because <laughs> they like they, they were all over uh, Orange County. So kind of paying respects to them. But, yeah, it's, it's technically from the assorted jelly bean song. Heck, yeah, that's awesome, dude. That's really cool. We we thankfully haven't had any. Uh, we've had a couple issues with the name. Um, there's no like bigger labels that have ever used it. So we've never had like any like lawsuits come down on us. But like I think like six months after we started another label uh, started as No Time Records. Oh, really? And, uh, yeah. And uh, we were getting tagged by a bunch of their artists like, oh, oh yeah, wow. we have a tape coming out under No Time Records. And I was like, this is not it's not us. And then, like I messaged, <laughs> I messaged that label on Facebook, and I was like, "Hey, I don't care if we have the same name, but I'm not changing our name." And they were like, "Yeah, we just found out about you guys. This is our last release. Is this, and we're changing the name?" I was like, "All right, perfect." And then, oh yeah, wow! Ever since then, we've been it's been totally fine. So, oh well, that that's that's cool. I'm glad like it was like a like a like a peaceful exchange. I'm surprised it's like no, like we want this. <laughs> yeah we we had like already been pushing out some stuff and i think it, they, they were kind of like yeah they were here first and they're still active so yeah that makes sense and, but the, the weird thing is is i never understand like how people don't do like wide internet searches for like the yeah. name of the thing that they're doing yeah that's uh that happened with uh the original name of uh, corrupt vision was uh we were called forced identity yeah and uh, we, you know, we did our we did our due diligence. We were looking through the Reverb Nations. We were looking through MySpace. You know, we made sure. I was like, all right, is there any bands with this name? Are any of those bands active? You know, where yeah. are those bands from and whatnot? And uh, we found we found two. There was like Forced X Identity from like Austin, but they died out in like 2013. And I was like, okay. all right, 
that's cool. They're they're done. We can use the name. And then there was a band from LA called Forced Identity, but they were like completely broken up. And I think they broke up around like twenty, like fourteen or fifteen. Oh, okay. So we're like, cool. That name's available. And so you know, we were rocking Forced Identity. We played one or a few shows. Is it? I think the uh, the demo was originally released under Forced Identity and and all that. And then like couple months into it you know we get a message on our facebook page saying like hey we're back it was like a completely different band i think they had like one original member and they're like uh we're gonna sue you and continue sir so we we were getting threatened by uh another band called forced identity they were gonna like sue us and that they have the name registered as like a registered trademark and and all this stuff and i was like i was like you're a dime a dozen la band there's no way you have like a fleet of lawyers behind you but then i was talking i was talking with fern and i was like hey we live very close to each other this is just gonna be a confusing mess if we continue to use it and he's like yeah you're right uh so what we decided to do was not tell them that we were changing the name yeah let them just believe that another band called forced identity was still doing stuff Uh, (laughs) before we took you know we started started you know going as corrupt vision we took every single avenue that you could possibly have the name forced identity on yeah so we took twitter <laughs> uh, <laughs> facebook Bandcamp, myspace reverb nation uh gmail yahoo <laughs> meet anything that you could have just oh instagram literally everything that you could just have the term forced identity as your as your name we took uh and then and then had it all at least some of it linked to corrupt vision. Just be like, here, check out the actual <laughs> band. That's amazing. Um, and I still have access to the Facebook page, and every once in a while it'll get it'll get tagged because like, I think they're trying to tag the other band, and I'm like, this fucking worked. <laughs> Dude, that's so bad. Dude, yeah, especially coming at you like, yo, we're gonna fucking like kill you in the scene, basically. Yeah. Like, Dude, um, every time yeah. I'm at a, if we play a, if we play a club that has like stickers on the wall and we see one of them, we just always immediately put a Crow Vision sticker over it. <laughs> it's just it's just petty dumb shit, but it was it was just like you're like yeah fuck it, just for an I one night just frantically like all right I got the Reverb Nation, all right Tad I got the MySpace, all right perfect I got the SoundCloud. <laughs> it was just yeah every any possible avenue you would want as a band, so they have to you know now they're they're forced to be like the real forced identity or the official force that you know shit like that so. <laughs> Just something slightly annoying. That's so yeah. good. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, the hard the hardcore band already had forced X identity, so it was like, all right, fuck. They have like very limited options. Yeah. <laughs> oh man, I'm so glad you did that. That's amazing, dude. Yeah, that was uh, that's us being shit heels, but dude, oh dude, that no, that's perfect because especially someone coming at you like that, like they were just being fucking assholes and like. Yeah, dude, like, you did your due, due diligence, man. <laughs> like, that's fucking solid. See, I'm trying to see what the last time the other band posted. Oh, fuck, they're still doing it. All right, good for them. They're still playing. <laughs> that's they, awesome, dude. Hey, you know what? At least they didn't play a show during quarantine. So that's good. <laughs> I bet they have. <laughs> yeah, good. Dude. All right, we haven't played a show. That's good. Yeah, <laughs> dude. And then, uh, so, and then, what, uh, since like no time uh, doing no time and everything like what made you want to do the no time presents type show um i i don't know what got us into i think there was always like the progression of like yeah we want to start booking our own shows which 
again, I also came to no one would put us on their comps, and I was like, no one was going to put us on their shows. So we're like, all right, we'll just book our own shit. And uh, for the longest time, yeah. we, were, like, <laughs> we were booking like just random shit in like LA. We booked a couple shows at a vape shop. We didn't know how to like <laughs> we didn't we didn't know how to talk to locals and like other bands and stuff because it was just like, all right, we'll just this this spot agreed to let us destroy it for the night, you know yeah <laughs> um, and then around i mean the biggest one for us obviously was uh um, getting in good with the uh, program and i think yes. the first show we booked there was like 2015 and it was we did it oh, with, wow. uh yeah so fern fern was involved with this uh collective that is no longer active and is a whole whole nother tangent that i i i don't even know the full whole full whole story of called uh it was this group called OCDIY. okay and they and they were setting up and doing uh diy shows all around orange county which is interesting because orange county is not really a city where you think of at least in south county of like having like independent live music that isn't in a bar oh, okay you know yeah. they were yeah. they were doing stuff <laughs> that like they would they would do like weird house shows that like started at four and ended at six whoa that's very weird yeah and they would like they would book shows like on trails and they would do uh art art stores and uh, like record shops and stuff and and one of the spots obviously they would they would throw shows at was program so we oh, wow. so fern was going to their meetings and uh he set up a show with them at program and it was a it was a fun show because it was uh rats in the wall which is oh. uh members of leftover crack and members of f minus so we were like super stoked that we got them uh band small at the time and now like one of the biggest i think bands to come out of orange county was skull crack oh yeah yeah uh noise complaint which is a is a, is a good scott core band from uh, uh kind of the uh Tino area okay and uh and high tension fern's old band and then we we set up like kind of a show with them and it, it went very well and that was the first time i had ever been to program and, and set up something there Heck um, yeah. and then you know we always thought that we had to go through OCDIY if we wanted to set up a show and then we found out it's like nah just as long as the shop like likes you and you're not a dick you can you can kind of just set up shows whenever <laughs> so then we're awesome. like oh we can just do this ourselves and then we started like booking more and more at program and then uh, i started attending school at cal state fullerton which is across the street from program so i was constantly exactly. was constantly in there and it was like a band would like text me in like my my first class being like hey can you help me get a show on whatever and i was like all right and then i would just on my break roll on down to program and be like hey chris can i get you know june 18th for a show it'd be like six months <laughs> out he's like tommy why do you book your shows like years in advance and i was like i just need the date man <laughs> so that's uh that's you know so we and then fern ended up going to cal state fulton as well so we you know we were able to have a constant communication with program and that also got us more comfortable of like Hey, we can book shows, have actual kids like show up to what we're doing. And then we, you know, we would uh, book shows at other like tiny little venues in and around Orange County. And uh, yeah, just, you know, we got a lot more confidence in what we were doing. We're like, hey, we can actually like risk throwing a show and, and hopefully make enough money to pay the door and the bands. And that's, you know, what we've been doing for the last four years at this point, four or five years. Yeah, that's so sick, dude. Seriously, that's insane. So we've been, and you, you've, you've played program, you know, the kind of people who go there and, and, kind of the community that uh gets developed there exactly it, it's amazing i love that that place is is amazing man i love what they're doing it's it's definitely needed right now or or when when yeah, shows come back it is definitely yeah. needed yeah I, thankfully they have they i don't think he's ever made like a stance of like hey we ain't throwing shows ever here like right now but I, they're 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 good dudes with their heads on straight they're not you know a bunch of these uh not pissing me off but uh uh you know the doll hut at all the doll i've heard of it yeah the doll hut is this uh, uh kind of old quote-unquote like classic punk club in orange county uh-huh uh, but it's changed owners a couple times and it's it's like a shell of what it used to be and that's uh, oh, basically kind of where all the fucking boomer punks play 
and go. Oh, okay. And they also kind of have a problem with like uh, kind of white supremacists, kind of you know not being uh, not being shooed away as you would hope. Uh, you know they would be. Yeah. You know, very very uh, uh, kind of looking the other way when people you know openly wear very very like white supremacist like imagery on their shirts and the bands that they're representing and the bands that are playing the shows and people's tattoos and shit kind of like Jeez. a don't ask don't yeah it's fucking awful um but it's you know it's orange county what do you expect it's orange county's a shit <laughs> bunch of racist <laughs> doofuses here but um uh what was it going with the doll oh yeah they're throwing shows right now oh it sounds it's, awesome they have they have I, I think they've consistently had a show at least once a week since april what yeah and there's a uh, we were originally like kind of messaging kind of the younger bands playing these shows about being like, hey, man, you should probably not play this. And it got to the point where it's like, just fuck you, dude. Dude, it's not gotten better. You're the reason why this shit's not not getting better. Yeah, dude. Like, I, I definitely know of like a couple venues doing that. And I'm just like, why? Why, dude? Like, literally, like, I understand like people want to go to shows, but it's like, you know you can wait a little bit longer and it will be back if you guys didn't do this still. Yeah, and I mean, and it's it sucks because a lot of these venues are also restaurants and, and they, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Like, I'm not I'm not blind to, like, the the economic impact of shit being shut down. I mean, for fuck's sake, oh, my job course, is... yeah. Yeah, and, and all shutdowns should be coming with fucking stimulus, stimulus plans for local economies, but a yeah. Californian... California senators don't like to think that way, but um, opening it up and just letting people fucking just let loose is not the uh, is not the answer. Clearly, um, so it's 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 a shitty situation. It's only been getting shittier. Yeah. Um, but yeah, having shows right now and 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 encouraging people to gather in in groups and in, in closed areas and hell, even like I see a lot of like punk swap meets and stuff like that, and I'm like. At least that's like not a re like you don't you don't spend all day at like a store, you know? Yeah, yeah. But even then it's like, ah, do you need to like encourage a whole bunch of people to show up and rummage through your records? Potentially exactly you know, sneezing and get your yeah, like I've been no time has been invited a couple of those and I'm like, nah, they can just buy it online. I'm good. I don't need yeah. to I don't need to risk this. So then it's like, you know, it's easy for a, a store to be like, Hey man, we can't let you in here without a mask. Well easy and in, in you know, the sense of like, it's their job to you know, make sure everyone's safe. But if you're having like an in independent or like a DIY event where a lot of people know that you're not going to call the cops on them, it's like someone's not going to wear a mask. Like the only way you're going to get them out of there is like berating them or throwing them out. So it's like, fuck, I don't care to deal with that at all. Exactly. That That's that's not worth it, dude. Yeah. That's like kind of the issues that we also like run in sometimes at shows where it's like if there's someone like being incredibly problematic is like we're at that standstill of like we will do everything except call the cops on you. Yeah. And yeah. It's like but it's like you need to get the fuck out of here before this escalates to something bad you know dude I, I i just don't get why people even have to push it that far man it's just it's insane. yeah, yeah. it and doesn't make any sense dude it, it's it's been a learning process for us to deal with de-escalate and deal with situations like that it shows because they come up from time to time yeah i mean i i don't know i just feel like a lot of like I, I, there's I, it's just weird when you get those types of people because like a lot of like it's crazy a lot of like like a, uh, despite what a lot of people like normal people think like hardcore is just a bunch of pissed off people it's like yeah but like no like i've met literally all of my friends through hardcore and everything and yeah like yeah and like they're the nicest people on the planet i'm sorry that you had one experience you just heard a song that had screaming in it and you thought it was terrible and like you were like oh they're pissed off and they're gonna beat up my my kid if they go to one of your shows it's like 
no yeah. they'll probably be like the most accepted they've ever been yeah and it's like you know every every show you know 99 percent of all the people there just want to have a good time and get home safe exactly. but then there's like you get people there who are drinking at a sober space or you know think it's okay to you know come to a come to a a, a, a show clearly not welcoming white supremacists wearing you know yeah just straight up swastikas or fucking because it's orange county or you know racist ass band shirts then you know not expecting people to like check you on that type of shit and then it's like on our end it's like you know we we want to be a, a welcoming enough environment mm -hmm. but i also don't want anyone at my shows to ever feel uncomfortable exactly and yeah of course when that that like that, that starts getting pushed it's put us in you put you're put into a weird situation because it's like we're not a giant corporate structure that has like uh you know it's not like we have security guards or like a, a store policy quote unquote to be like here's how you deal with a problematic customer it's like here's this person in this scene who who enter the show with the intent of maybe enjoying the show or maybe just starting shit and it's like how do you deal with this without involving police without you know immediately going to something as awful as like assault but it's like when someone's like not you know wanting to use their words or just trying to get physical with you it's like you're, you're really like you start your options start getting like like run thin you know yeah and then it's worse when it's like it's it's like compounded with like alcohol and drug use and it's like you got a drunk dude you know worst case scenario you got like a drunk dude where a bunch of people are yelling that he's an abuser yeah. and he's not choosing to leave the show it's like what the fuck do you do in that situation exactly dude that that's yeah. extremely hard to deal with i bet so we we you know we're trying to trying to learn and dealing with, with situations like that when they come up. Cause again, I care about program. I care about the scene. I care about the, the shows we book and the, and the people we allow at our shows. And it's like, I want everyone to have a safe and good time and, and get home safe to their family. So cause that's like what my mom went on for me. And that's what I want for everyone else. So exactly. Dude. Yeah. Like, it's, and, it's, and, and, and that's what every promoter should do. Yeah. And it's, it's, and it, it sucks when there's shitty people at shows. And it, and it yeah. sucks that you feel like you can't throw a show because you're worried about shitty people showing up and, and making you look bad because like, oh, shit, you're allowing abusers at your show, even though it's like it's not like I'm implicitly welcoming them. They're going to show up whether or not, you know, yeah. you kind of got to put your foot in the ground and go, no, this is not, you know, allowed at our shows. And, and you know, word will spread if you, you know, put the hammer down on that kind of shit. Oh, heck yeah. Oh, yeah, definitely. So it, it's it's. Dude. DIY promoting is is fun and it's really rewarding, but it can also be really stressful and shitty in situations like that. It sounds like it, dude. That 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 right there makes me think like, oh, I would never want to really set up a show. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's like you know, and it, and it's it's for us for the longest time, it was like the only people going to our shows were friends and friends of the bands playing. You know, it wasn't like they were like quote unquote like fans. Yeah, or just you know random kids in the scene. It was so it was always like, oh, it's our friends coming here to watch us. We're barely making door and we can move on. And it's like a lot of the shows we're having up until quarantine we're like oh fuck we're selling out program oh fuck there's like a hundred people here you know 75 percent. i've so never sick. seen their i've never seen their face before and like it, oh shit they're causing a problem it's like oh god this is not great yeah <laughs> jeez dude like it's so crazy what you have to like because like thinking about that like when i've seen like fights break out at shows it's like oh fuck well i'm gonna leave it's like i never thought about like the promoter having to like deal with it because the venue's gonna be pissed at them because yeah. of this shit happening that's crazy the way i've, I've my my thought process is is program would be mad if i did nothing yeah if i tried the best of my ability they would they would see that as better than just like laying down and like letting shitty things happen exactly 
that that totally makes sense yeah. um, and program program gets it and a lot of these like diy spots they get it they understand that like shit gets rowdy shit gets rough you know there's moshing in a store yeah you know? not saying that program is totally cool with you know just straight up the destruction every night and they you know they'll turn away shows that would clearly make the shop a lot of money just simply because they're like yeah no i i want the store to be around in the morning yeah <laughs> exactly <laughs> like jesus peace had asked to play there whoa and and chris was like absolutely not <laughs> damn dude that sucks because that could have been like crazy good but then that would have literally burnt that place yeah. down yeah and then they uh they ended up moving to the show to a, a short-lived venue in fullerton called the uh, rift mountain oh yeah i i played there once that place was cool yeah that was uh that's also run by alex the same dude who uh or was run by alex the same dude who made my uh, j cards oh sick that's awesome yeah that that spot was great but uh i actually worked that uh jesus peace show because he needed like security and like you know people to make sure that people weren't like drinking in their cars or you know if they were drinking in their cars to be in the car and not outside and clean up beer bottles after it was a whole that was a fucking I mean, that show kind of put earth mountain into a lot of people's heads about like oh this is like the hardcore spot now and then oh, a wow. month later it got shut down damn dude that sucks because i i remember when he got shut down i was like oh damn that was actually a really cool spot yeah i fucking i miss Rift mountain it was it was but it to him that, that was alex going you know what orange county can't sustain a diy space it's just that the city sucks. the city just is too you know it's too republican there's too much money there's too much for a, 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 a for, for city officials and police to just kind of turn a blind eye to this you know that sucks man it was like la there's so much going on and you could kind of get away with something like that in san diego uh the few deal that there's a few punk houses and and uh uh the che cafe but the che cafe is such an installation of uh uh I think it's San Diego University or, or California State. I don't know what specific, like, the name of the university is, but I know it's such a, a the Che Cafe is such a, a, a institution for that college that it's like, yeah, that's just not going to go away simply because it's like, you know, it's it's kind of grandfathered in for lack of exactly. a better term. Yeah. yeah. And program, uh, I've heard them tell me that it was like, when Riff Mountain got shut down, I was like, are you guys worried about the shows? And he's like, nope. And then just immediately knocked on wood because he's like, we've been doing this since 2011. You know, wow. We we know the city knows that we do this. City knows that we're done at 10, 1030. And the city knows that we're all gone by 11. Yeah, we're far enough away from houses that it would ever be a noise complaint. And we've never had the cops call. Wow, that's awesome. I, di I didn't know that. That's really cool. So they're like, as long as, you know, it doesn't get crazy and it doesn't get rowdy, it's 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 you know, we're going to be fine. And I was like, all right, fuck. Cool. So. <laughs> dude, that that's, that's ridiculous. That, that's ridiculous. Well, I'm glad that's, that's fucking sick, dude. Yeah, dude. Like, uh, so with that being said, which one has been your, like, no, like your best, like no time show. It was, it was funny. They, they, they kind of ramped up, uh, like in a row, they got better and better. So we had, Oh, cool. Uh, the last night of No Time for Fun Fest in 2019, which was the label's five year anniversary. Oh, wow. We did a we did a three day festival. We did. Sorry, it's four days. We did five shows in four days, uh, mainly Jeez. a program, mainly a program. We did a free like folk punk park show near program about a mile away. <laughs> cool. It was like a picnic. And then uh, we did a pre fest in a South County venue called the uh, Sea Tavern. Oh, OK. We had a touring band every night with a touring band every show. Uh, and it was just like a big kind of sell. It was all bands, either like friends of us or like bands on the label. Um, and the final night we had uh, Stay Wild. No, Stay Wild played the night before. The final night we had uh, Dying For It. Oh, okay. Yeah. Uh, Ursula, Fissure, and Machinist. Oh, okay. Yeah. 
I remember and, hearing about that show. And it like, I don't think it's sold out, but it was like most money I had ever seen for a single show. And the venue was like fucking packed. And I was like, oh, fuck, we're like a thing. That's so um, sick, dude. And I was like, here's a lot of money to all the bands. And I was like, this feels weird. It's usually like, <laughs> hey, man, we got $20. Can we give it to the touring band? All right, cool. <laughs> That's insane. Dude, that had to have felt so cool. And it, yeah, it felt, it felt fucking great. And then uh, uh, a couple months later, we had, and this was on a Wednesday. So that was on a Sunday night. A Wednesday night, we had uh, our show. It was uh, a Corrupt Vision, Cell Damage, Twitch, and then World Peace, Stress Ghetto, and Heck Dorland. Oh, yeah, that was awesome. And then, and then that show became like, oh, fuck, this is the best show we've ever thrown. <laughs> I was able to I was able to give all the touring bands like a good chunk of money. And I was like, fuck, I was like on a Wednesday night. Hell yeah. So like I really enjoyed I really embraced the weeknight shows. That's um, so cool. Because like the issue with weekend shows is like you're usually always going to be competing with like yeah. four or five other shows. Yep. And with the fact that like Orange county kids are just used to like having to drive to L.A. Yeah like go to shows it's like going to la for a show is not out of the question for which county cat whereas like an la cat's like if i can't walk to it i ain't fucking going yeah <laughs> it's like dude fuck you like i i have to drive like minimum 45 minutes to a show yeah exactly oh dude trust me i know how that feels like yeah I you got oh like i know I, I, dude, I've, been to, <laughs> I've been to your area that was uh that's a fucking haul yeah and it I'm sucks like, man <laughs> yeah so you, you get it like just being in like yeah. a show desert Heck yeah, sure. exactly. Literally in the desert. Um, yeah. <laughs> so uh, I embraced like the weeknight shows because those were like kind of fun because like I would literally get out of class and then just like cross the street to program. Like I would, there was times where I like would like ditch class early to like go set up a show. <laughs> That's and so I, sick. I always felt fucking cool. Or like I would like bring like, I would, you know, I'd be packing for school for the morning. I'd like get my laptop and my, my notebook and then like, oh, I got to carry the entire distro in my car. <laughs> i'd like i'd go to like program on a lunch break and be like hey can i drop this all off right now and they go yeah tommy that's fine <laughs> um but it's cool like i would like you know get out of class and like the show would be like half going and like fern would get there earlier and like set up and like you know play his corrupt vision or whatever and it was always so i embraced like the weeknight shows and i always like doing those um and then the best show we ever threw money and like attendance wise we had two really great ones like back to back we had uh it was livid corrupt vision Iced, Sand Coffin, Power, Beyond Pained, and uh, I stopped doing six band bills. Those are miserable. <laughs> and uh, one other band I can't think of played that show. Oh, Scout. Oh, okay. Uh, which, yeah, Great, Great Orange County band. Um, and uh, that show was the first time we ever like sold out the show. What? No way. <laughs> And I was like, I was like keeping tallies and I was like, the cap for a program is, is quote unquote 100. Oh, okay. That's generally, you want to shoot for 100 because then you got to factor in like, uh, like the cap's like 120, but you want to factor in like friends of the bands and all the bands and, and all that shit. Oh, so yeah. generally, generally you get 100 marks, you should probably stop telling people to show up. Uh, so I was like, that was like the first time I ever had to like post on Instagram of like, hey, don't come. <laughs> this fucking sold out. <laughs> um, and it was like, it was like the most money we'd ever, because the other thing was like, people just like, like, when they like, like a band, they'll just like throw you like $20 and let's just keep it. And like, what the, okay. Yeah. You're like, yes, definitely. <laughs> and they'll just like, they'll just like watch one set and then leave. And then like another person will do the same thing. And you're like, what the fuck? I, I used to have to beg bands to like, not let in people for free so that we could like have enough money to pay the door. I was like, what that was the first time that uh, I didn't have to give program the minimum payment i had to give them a percentage
percentage. And I was like, oh, fuck, this felt nice. Oh, that's badass. That's so sick, dude. Uh, and then the night or like a, a couple months later, we had a, a that was still like peak. Like I was able to pay both the touring band. I paid every band on the bill like a decent amount of money. Oh, that's awesome. Obviously, the biggest chunk going to the touring cats, but I was, and the both of them was like their first show, and they're like, this is the best show ever. And I was like, oh, thank God. <laughs> we had a big ass fight out front with a bunch of dumb oh, shit kids shit. at the show, but uh, I don't want to get into that. But it was, uh, ooh, that it was very rewarding and very stressful. I bet, dude. Uh, and then we had, uh, we had Paul the Kid, which is uh, the main dude from this band called the Night Gaunts. Oh, okay. They were like a New Zealand ska band from a couple of years ago. They they were relatively popular, and then they, they kind of just broke up. I think they got kind of sick of each other, and they wanted to do separate stuff. But uh, he was on tour with this band called uh, Escape from the Zoo. Yeah. Which is members of uh, Days and Days, which is like kind of the biggest folk punk band active right now. Oh, okay. That's awesome. I would, I would say they're probably the biggest folk punk band. Um, it's like their side band that does more like crack rock steady, like ska core stuff. Oh, okay. Um, so they were they were on tour together, and then Corrupt Vision played that. Um, that show did very well, and that was actually the last show. It was funny. We booked that show. It was like on a Thursday, and there was like that was still when people were like joking about coronavirus. Yeah, yeah. Hey, remember those memes of like if you've played this venue, you're immune from coronavirus, or if yeah. you've eaten at this. <laughs> re- that was like in the ha ha. This won't ruin our lives because this is like yeah. beginning of March. Like the show was like March like fourth. Oh, okay. Um, then we uh, we went and saw Paul Paul the kid in in uh, in LA like two nights later, uh, and then that was like on a Sunday, and then we had school on Saturday or on Monday, and that was the week that was like Monday was like all right, and then Tuesday was like oh so we're going all online. Yeah. And then Wednesday was like yeah there's gonna be no school on Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> Damn. don't show don't show up and i was like i was like paul got so fucking lucky <laughs> he's from he's from he's from uh he lives in the united kingdom so i was like if he if his oh. tour was a week later he would have been fucked that sucks he was able to get you know he played his five shows and he was able to get home but i was like oh my <laughs> god he got so fucking lucky yeah he did um and even like we so we no one at our show was like concerned about like coronavirus on the fourth. Yeah. But I yeah. remember on the sixth at this uh, uh, going to the show in LA where I was kind of just like, I feel weird being out. Yeah. <laughs> and then like the week after it got like, oh, it's like, oh, we're shutting down. Oh my God. Yeah. Right. Yeah. That's um, crazy. What was funny is Corrupt Vision had planned for a, uh, like we, we, after the Paul the Kid show, we're like we're not gonna play anything until summer because we wanted to we wanted to gonna go record a full length. Oh, okay. Uh, in April, and then the plan was to uh, uh, you know just do the summer shows we had, and then and then focus on the full length. Focus on doing a, the full length. Uh, we would be touring with the full length right now. We wanted to do a winter tour. Oh wow! But uh, you know, coronavirus changed all those plans, and we actually ended up uh, a couple weeks ago. We all we all got tested for for covid we quarantined and then we went up together uh to oakland and then we recorded the uh, full length with a friend up there oh Um, no way yeah so we just got a a, like an airbnb and it was it was it was like it kind of felt like being on tour yeah (laughs) kind of it was like oh i'm traveling with my band but we're not playing any shows and we're not seeing any of our friends and we're staying in a a, (laughs) 
tiny ass uh, uh, Airbnb for four days, and and it was you know we we it, it felt like it it felt cool because it was like the first time I ever felt like oh we're like a band right now like this is like a, this so is like cool. what a this is like what a professional band does like actually traveling to like record and like <laughs> it, you know we're not just like doing this in my garage over two weekends we're like no we're, we're <laughs> taking the time to do this dude so where'd you record uh so we recorded with our friend mateo uh in his studio and he plays in this band called sarcasm oh okay I've, i th- i think i know of that band they're, like, they're uh... like a berkeley pop punk band okay i think i know who they are yeah yeah they're uh they're also kind of like that band they hate the term because it's not how it's ran but they're kind of like they're gonna hate me for saying this like kind of the top dogs at 924 gilman oh okay okay kind of they're kind of like the because there's no one owns it but they're kind of like the boss i guess okay (laughs) it kind of changes to whoever is mature enough to run that position and and they they all that entire (laughs) band has such a great head on their shoulders and is so they don't get I think the perfect band to run it because they are the perfect kind of people to be like kind of running it because they're very, you know, they don't get caught up in drama without kind of analyzing things. Oh, okay. That's no, cool. they're not gonna they're not gonna immediately being like, no, fuck this band. They can't play. They can't play. They can't play. They're gonna they're gonna hear out to to an extent. They're you know the, if yeah, it's a re, if they have a, no, they're not gonna be like. Okay, so maybe he wore a swastika a couple times and said a bunch of racist shit, but I should hear him out. Nothing like that. But it's like, <laughs> yeah, no. <laughs> it's like, oh fuck, there's drama. All right, everyone's side. What happened? You know, they'll 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 hear out people, and they're not. You know, they 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 think before they act, and they're very. They have a good head on their shoulders. They they're very talented. They're very they're very professional for it. They're basically they're my age, and they have been playing shows since years ago as the band the band has celebrated 10 years they started when they were like 13 oh my god dude that's ridiculous they've been they've been like wanting to like all be involved in like a diy scene and they don't want to see gilman go to shit because gilman you know has that history to it yep being that it's you know it's where green day operation ivy um uh flats uh all the I, they one of them had a they had a poster up in their studio that was like every all the Bay Area bands from like the eighties. Oh, that's badass! Like it was it was like what all the members were like playing in and stuff. But you know, there's there's a lot of history to Gilman. Yeah, oh, definitely. And, um, but there's also a lot of drama involved in Gilman, and they that's I think don't want to see the drama like be what ruins that spot. Exactly. Yeah, they they're very good at it. It's, actually, it reminds me of the the. Robert Eggplant, whoever the the main dude from Blatz hates me. <laughs> Why? We we had seen one of our shows, and he was talking to me about cassettes. And then he like, I was like, "Oh, I make cassettes for people." And he's like, oh, "Okay." And then he like emailed me later, and he was like sitting up like this compilation album. Yeah. I was like, "Yo, know, oh," he's like, "I just need the cassettes. I'm gonna be duplicate. I'll I'll make the J cards myself. I just need the tapes." And I was like, "All right, perfect." And I told him, I was like, I told him my rate. First of all, he paid me like way more money than I needed. Yeah. And then I was like, I was like, I don't. Okay. Uh, <laughs> and then, so then I ordered the cassettes because I make everything in, in house. So I ordered the tapes. And then I was like, hey, I need I need all of the songs to make the cassettes. Like, I can't like just 
put a song on later. Like it's gonna be the same process. I was like, I need all of the music, right? Yeah, like, I can't. Course. I can't make a cassette until I have every track. Yeah, that makes sense. Like, I feel like that should be common sense. Yeah. So then he delayed forever on like one song. And I was like, I was like, I. He finally sent everything, and then he's like, "Hey, I need these like tomorrow." And I was like, "I these cannot possibly be done and to you tomorrow," because he lived in the Bay Area. So I was like, "I was like, I will stop everything I'm doing to make these cassettes right now. I have to ship the media mail because otherwise it's going to be an insane amount of money to ship these to you, and you'll yeah. probably have them in a week." And then. I found out from another label that he had just been like talking smack on me on the internet that I was like, like I was like taking a run for his money and like scamming him and shit. And I was like, I was like, my man, you didn't have your shit together. And then expected me to just like solve everything for you like immediately. And I was like, fuck off. And then he like emailed me a year later to do another like run of tapes without what? me knowing yeah without me knowing that he had been like talking smack and i was like i'm just not replying <laughs> nice and then when i was last i was in a uh, uh, berkeley i saw i was in a record store and they had all of the compilation tapes that he had like had made it was it was some like comp called like plastic island and it was like a bunch of like kind of weird hippie punk kind of stuff oh okay yeah and he had like every single one i was like oh fuck i made these cassettes well that sucked <laughs> yeah Dude, that's insane. So so I don't even call him Robert Plant. I say, hey, the dude from Blatz hates me. (laughs) That's amazing. Um, that's my that's my uh my my tangent of (laughs) so yeah, that's the that's the biggest thing I think pisses me off is like if a band thinks I'm ripping them off, I'm like, I'm like, I if this is a scam, I'm doing it horribly. It's like it's like I always think of like, is there has there ever been anyone who's like trying to run a pyramid scheme but doesn't realize that at some point you need to cash out? <laughs> dude, I'm just losing so much money, dude. Just keep fucking, just I gotta keep getting more people in to pay off the people. I was like, I just I don't when do I get my money? It's like it's like <laughs> I was like, if this is if I'm scamming bands, this is the worst fucking scam possible. <laughs> That's amazing. That I've heard of there was this label called the uh, Bird Attack that was a they also acted as a uh, a broker for vinyl. Oh, okay. And they were essentially running a pyramid scheme. What? They they would offer like an insane like vinyl package deal. Like something that like no other broker or plant would ever offer. Yeah. A lot of labels were like, oh fuck, like especially the kind of younger, naive labels were like, oh fuck, like I can get my record press for like wait like in a nice copy for like this much and what he was doing was just like getting all these label, all these bands to sign up, press like a handful of the actual records, you know, get people going like, yeah, no, fuck shit was legit. You know, guy gave yeah. us the records and got to the point where it was like, oh, all these plants are stopped halting production because they haven't been paid, you know, the rest of the deposit. What? Oh, fuck, Bird, Bird Attack's not answering emails and shit. And I was like, yeah, he was running a pyramid scheme through being a vinyl broker wow yeah ridiculous like a friend of mine he was he was pressing a record through him and then the plant had he contact him be like hey your records are done send him like a video of the records playing he's like hey man i agreed to pay this much for him if you can't 
accept that deal, then I don't want the records. And then the plant was like, we'll just sue him later. Yeah, here are the records. What, dude? No way. Yeah, so he's he was like, yeah, so that was a fucking nightmare. <laughs> yeah, that's that's fucked, man. That's so wrong. Yeah. Dude. So that's uh it's people people will fucking take advantage of you in DIY. It's fucking crazy. It's sad, dude. It's so fucked yeah. up, man. Like but there's should... not any money to go around, and it's like, why do you why did you pick this to be the people that you scam? Exact seriously, like, dude. God, that's ridiculous, man. That is so that is so stupid. Yeah, all these these bands are working uh, uh bartender jobs to scrape enough money together to to print some t-shirts to go on a two-week tour why the fuck you were like yeah that's my payday right there yeah <laughs> dude that's that's like that's like literally robbing from the poor like you're, yeah. you're literally stealing from people that can hardly do it yeah it's it's dude it's always God. crazy when i hear shit like that happening yeah but dude yeah, it's sad yeah that's uh some uh, some wild DIY shit for the day of like yeah no someone tried to run a pyramid scheme with records. <laughs> that's fucked, man. So, uh, so yeah, that's so that's how no time is ran. <laughs> Good, just, I'm glad. <laughs> I just make the I just make the tapes and then you know profits. You know, there's a there's a middle step somewhere, but yeah, just you know make the tapes, <laughs> scam the band, and profit. You know, <laughs> dude you're doing you're doing well man like uh like i could see all like your like all your expensive cars and stuff it's it's pretty cool, yeah man. no it's great yeah my car that exploded this week oh it's beautiful <laughs> the car that fell into my lap because of the previous car i had uh was in a car accident driving home from school yeah it's fucking beautiful <laughs> dude yeah, no, I... oh my god like with my yeah my car broke down this week and i was like i i've never had to buy a car in my life i've never had to shop for one they've always just kind of been like i've either been Mm -hmm. like arm twisted or like the car was selected for me and then i had to buy it you know (laughs) i I didn't have to i didn't ever ever have to like go through the whole thing of like i gotta go on craigslist and like trust this random dude or like it's always been like (laughs) it's always been like my my dad was like hey tommy for your birthday uh I found a car for you thinking like, Oh, my dad bought me a car. No, he's like, no, you're just going to buy this car. And we're like, okay. And that, <laughs> fucking, and that fucking thing was problematic as shit. And then it finally, I, I got in a car accident with that car. And then uh, the only reason I'm driving the car I have now is because it was our, our roommate who had moved away and had left us the car to sell for her. And I, I, dr- I had to drive it to school once. And then I was like, I kind of like this car. I was like, I guess I'll buy it. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, and I've I've never had to like I've never had to like there's always been like a car around us that someone's trying to get rid of that like oh I could just that'll just be the new car but no <laughs> that's, yeah. that's that's it's insane always... that's amazing dude it just falls in your in into place dude yeah just like I if, uh, this is the car that's around me I guess I own this now <laughs> like you're physically in it like it's it's literally around me I guess I own I, it. Fuck! This is the this is it now. So yeah, it's it's the uh, car buying is something I've never had to do. Uh, I don't know if that's a good or bad thing, but yeah, I've just because that shit just scares me. I'm like, dude, I because like I can't afford like a, a car payment. You know, it's gonna completely drain me. Uh-huh. You know, oh, not yeah, being able, yeah, not being able to work and and because of uh, uh, 
know, quarantine and, and my current job is up in the air if it's even going to be open during the next lockdown and and no one's hiring a computer you know a, a fresh college graduate with a computer science degree right now so it's like i just sitting on my hands dude trying dude, not to well, spend any money yeah exactly dude but like you said the la- the label's very lucrative so you're you're going to be fine yeah the label the label like for years it was like a, a fucking loss like i'd be the label would be in debt to me like 2 to 3 grand at a <laughs> yeah. time and uh thankfully i'm no longer in that type of holy hole. shit seriously yeah there was there was a time where i was like there was a time where i was like my car cannot explode I was like the car cannot <laughs> bur- like there because uh, there was like a time where i had like i think i had like 200 bucks to my name because i was pressing the corrupt vision record and i was like Damn. i was like nothing bad can happen to me for three months and i'll be fine <laughs> jeez and I was like, I was like, this is so fucking stupid. I remember like I was at my school's bank or like the bank on the school's campus pulling out money so I could go pay for the record in cash because it was cheaper than card at the record <laughs> plant in Orange County. And I was remember like, this is all the money I have <laughs> to like live. If, I, if anything happens... I'm fucked. <laughs> Jeez, dude, that sucks. And then, and then, thankfully, record did fine. Uh, I, you know, was able to, you know, work my actual real job all over the winter, and I was able to, you know, not be in the hole. And the big thing was, nothing bad happened in my life for three months. Wow, dude, that's 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 lucky, dude. That's insane. Yeah, yeah I, I basically was like, I'll be fine if just nothing bad happens. <laughs> see like i feel like it was the universe giving you a break like it's like yeah okay we fucked with this guy a little too much like let's just calm down for these three months for for because it was like every six months my my previous car was like up four hundred dollars six hundred dollars just throw it in there buddy (laughs) jeez hey man you got a little money saved up not anymore Time to fix me again. So uh, yeah, with my with my car breaking down this week, and this is the first this is the first time the car has had any problems outside of new tires. I was like, I paid it for it. This is fine. Yeah, yeah. That, 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 <laughs> well, that's kind of that's a very good like silver lining to see. I was like, yeah, I I was dumping six hundred dollars every six months. I could drop this much for you know once every two years. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> Hell yeah. And I was like, fuck, it's not like I'm driving to shows now anyway. I don't really, you know, I'm not going to be throwing miles on this. I was like, this thing got me to school for two years. Uh, it's fine. Oh, it did hell its yeah. job. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's, it, yeah, don't, don't, uh, a solid rule is if a, if a single release doesn't do well and that'll sink your label, don't do it. <laughs> that's my that's my word of advice to anyone trying to start a label be like hey when is something a bad idea and it's like yeah if this sucks and it makes you have to close the label yeah don't put it out <laughs> what's the saying uh if you can't buy something twice don't buy it <laughs> no I've, I've never heard that that's very good though it's like it's like if you can't if you can't afford to buy something twice and be fine then you shouldn't buy it i like if that it's like, that's really good it's like like a fun thing or like a splurge thing like obviously buy food yeah no i can't buy buy it twice (laughs) i buy medicine you know don't uh you're like hey if i if i can get if i could buy two ps5s and be fine yeah maybe buy a ps5 (laughs) 
<laughs> don't. <laughs> that's awesome. Vinyl's a scam. That's a that's a that's something I think I've slowly been learning. And now concludes the first part to the two-part podcast. Sorry. Okay. I'm sorry. That was a terrible outro. See, I'm messing up. Okay, I'm sorry. But seriously, talking with Tommy, like every single time we've ever seen him at a show or like we've played a show that he's hosted, it's always been so much fun. And he's such an awesome dude. So I had such a good time talking with him. We talked for like two hours and some odd minutes i can't even remember so that's why i split it up because it was so much fun and like also i loved how he ended with it like i ended it with yeah he's saying him saying uh vinyl's a scam (laughs) it's so awesome (laughs) but i had so much fun talking to tommy and uh guess what you'll hear the second part next week so stay tuned because it was equally as good for the second half of that that this podcast so Thank you. Thank you so much, Tommy, for for coming out. <laughs> it sounds like a show coming on the podcast. And uh, and uh, and then, I don't know, check out his band, Corrupt Vision, and please check out No Time Records. Like, it's it's an amazing label and has so many awesome bands. He actually he actually pressed our uh, our tape for Runoff, and it, it's amazing. He packages everything. Per- it's perfect the way he does everything. So please, if you want to ta- uh, tape, Go to this guy. He knows what's up. But uh, thank you, Tommy, so much. And guess what? I hope everyone has a good day. And guess what? I will talk to you later. Bye.